Hi, hello, welcome, happy, what is it, Memorial Day? Yes, it is the day of our memorial. To, to what? Um, do you want a fun answer or do you want the real answer? Is this like another war thing? <laughs> yes, it's another war thing. How, how many of those do you have? I, <laughs> I mean, I, th this is different from Veterans Day. Yes and no. I mean, it is also a day in which we remember. But is that the same day? Uh, or is that a different no, month? Different month, different day. Okay, what about President's Day? President's Day is for the presidents. Okay, but like they're the, they're the dudes who get us into these wars, let's be honest. I mean, sometimes they lead up. They literally have led us in these wars. Hmm. They were they were <laughs> war leaders. Not recently. You know, and then sometimes they're just dudes who really think tanks are cool. Ah, the Muir fan base. Tanks are cool. That's true. Okay, well, happy Memorial Day to the Americans. Happy Monday, May 29th to the non-Americans. Tuesday, May 30th, if you're listening to this, the day it drops. Yes, and happy post-Double or Nothing 2023 uh, to all who lost some decent amount of sleep having to watch the show on a Sunday. Yeah, we need to get back to the Saturdays. I, I understand holiday weekend. Maybe that's why they chose a Sunday, but, like, I don't like it. No, I mean, I, I get it. They were, you know, they've been doing these, but they also do all or nothing, uh, all, all or nothing, all, all in, all not, I, what is it called now? I have no, all out. All, all in, all out, triple or nothing. They also do all out and on historically now during Labor Day weekend. So they just, they've picked their three-day weekends and, uh, yeah, for those who don't have the day off on Monday, post these events, it could be a pretty, pretty, pretty rough time. five-hour show, including the pre-show. Pre-show is nothing to uh, sneeze about, as they say. I sat through an hour of it, and I was like, oh, it's one match, and it's a match featuring, like, Billy Gunn's kids. Like, I could have sat this out. The buy-in is increasingly a hour-long promo for the main show. They used to put more matches on that, and they, they maybe still do, and this is just a... But I think this is the second straight buy-in where it was like, okay, we're going to have, like, this featured match where guys we couldn't get on the main card, but, like, that's it. And that is just a bunch of video vignettes that you're going to see again during the actual show. Yeah, and I, I, I can see both sides of it, right? Like, the good thing about this format is that you've only got the one match to, like, get the crowd warmed up. Like, it's not one of these shows where by the time the first match on the main card starts, they've already sat through three full matches, and it's already, like, it's an hour for the fans in the building to go buy merch and hang out and relax or whatever and get, throw in some last minute plugs for video packages for the people like me who don't watch weekly TV. That's true. And a lot of those weekly packages are, a lot of those packages are recycled from weekly television um, or if they do the road to special, et cetera, but it does give you a chance to see it in a contained way. If you are not like following it on the regular, I just, I, I tend to skip the buy-in unless there's a women's match and there hardly ever is. Yes, so this time around, I don't, I've lost track. I think this would technically be quadruple or nothing in the chronology. 
this time around we had mm, two women's matches advertised for the pay-per-view we'll see <laughs> the two women's singles titles on the line no sign of our new new japan strong women's champion willow nightingale unfortunately i guess i think she's in roh these days but that but then she's also and it's, it's confusing instead it was jamie hater versus tony storm for the AEW women's championship and jade cargo versus taya Valkyrie for the tbs women's championship yeah yeah i mean two matches on a very um on a, on a heavy duty card but like you know, two, that's still two matches and both titles were defended in this pay-per-view. And you can't really say that for every pay-per-view. So, I mean, off to a good start. Yeah, and what's notable is these were the only two singles matches on the card that weren't gimmick matches. That is true. Every that other is match true. was like a multi-person, a battle royal or a trios tag or two guys with fire extinguishers and two guys with a ladder. No, the women were just told, hey, you don't need you don't need any of that stuff. Just go out there and just the two you wrestle and uh, call us when you're done. They were told, hey, we're not going to give you enough time for these really elaborate gimmicks. So just go out and have a big, uh, just have a wrestling match. It's all good. Our first match of the night was Jamie Hayter defending the AEW Women's Championship against Tony Storm. Hayter was absent from TV last week. She, like many of the baby faces in this company, have been victims of repeated attacks from the outcasts. For those listening in the distant future and don't remember the outcasts, it was Soraya, Tony Storm, and Ruby Soho. And they hang out, they do the typical the mean girl shtick where they just like bully other women and then they spray paint them. There's not really that much more to it. It's been a couple of months of this now and it hasn't really gotten any more complex or interesting. It hasn't evolved, um, despite the fact that one thing that keeps me hooked on the Tony Storm side of this is that they and they've worked this into the kayfabe is that the way that Tony Storm was kind of used in that interim championship period does suck for Tony. And like to basically have had her title run be dismissed or erased is a really useful thing to use in a feud like this. It's incredibly good. Like it, it, it's it's a it's a really great like it's a great fuel for a story. Everything else with the outcast doesn't quite make sense because um, it's not clear what they are rebelling against because they're acting as if they are the ones who are the the problem starts with the name. Outcast is a weird thing because the company that they were outcasted from was not AEW. Yeah, they were welcomed with open arms into this company. They said, hey, Saray, you want to wrestle for the first time in like nine years? Come here. We will let you. They're like, how dare you? Well, yeah, so that's the thing. If they were the outcasts and they were baby faces in AEW, that would make some sense of like, we were, you know, we were cast off from another company and we're here and we are like, you know, brave, rebellious souls to like take back to, to like claim AEW for ourselves and we're finding our place here. That is something that it's almost kind of like what Ruby Soho was doing when she first came to AEW, this idea that like she was coming to it, she would run away to a new home, which is, is, is a neat is a neat idea and very romantic to play with in wrestling. Um, but the way it's being done is that they are heels outcast from their previous company welcomed into AEW that they decide is beneath them 
So it's it's easy to hate that because who wouldn't? But it's confusing because it doesn't give them a whole lot to do other than just be like, losers, we're cool, and yet we lost our previous jobs. But but it doesn't matter. We're still better than this place. It doesn't work entirely. The thing is, like, they always have the numbers advantage. That's, like, how they get their heat. It's always three on one. It's always three on two. But then over time, it's like, why why is it still always three on It was three on one when they were, like, picking on Willow. And then it was three on two when they were picking on Willow and Sky Blue. And then Britt and Jamie got involved, and all of a sudden Willow and Sky Blue disappeared. And then Hikaru Shida gets involved. It's like, okay, now it's three on three. Things are finally evened. And then we get this segment on the pay-per-view where Tony makes her entrance, music plays, Jamie doesn't show up, music plays again, and we see Jamie, like, kicked through the curtain by Ruby and Soraya, and they bring her down to ringside, and all three of them just beat up Jamie at ringside for a good couple minutes, and Britt doesn't show up, and she doesn't show up, and no sign of Willow, no sign of Sky Blue... And that's, yeah, it's one of these things that they always talk about, like, don't make the referee, if you're the heel in the match, don't make the referee look stupid, because then the heat goes on the ref, not on you. Make it look like you're uncontrollable, and, like, the ref, like, is doing his best. Something like this is, like, I'm not mad at these three for getting away with this, I'm mad because, in the sense of, like, how dumb are you guys? Like, why, why wasn't Brit like, in Jamie... Where, where was Bridget in this? Why weren't her and Jamie like in the locker room together, getting ready to walk down the ramp together? Why would you ever be alone going into this match, knowing what's happened the last three months? I mean, this is my problem with a lot of, like, I mean, this is a wrestling issue, right? But this is also something that is very specifically AEW has had a weird run of baby faces who refuse to use their obvious allies and their, like, and their faction mates um, in their feuds against heel stables and it makes the baby faces look dumb look <laughs> it makes them look not prepared and that's not why we root for a face we believe in the plucky underdog spirit but we also want them to work smart and working smart means if you've got a friend or two that you're obviously always with and you're part of their stable as much as they are your stable then it doesn't make any sense to be solo in vulnerable moments yeah, and there's so many ways you can just like very effortlessly write things around this. You say, you know, we cut to a shot of Brit in the locker room being held back by the Jericho Appreciation Society. She already got in their business earlier in the night. Things are tied up there. We say she does not in the building. She wasn't booked for the show, so they didn't fly her into Vegas. If they really want to do this three-on-one thing, they have... Jamie gets beat up three-on-one. They get in the ring. They do at least... The referee doesn't just immediately call for the bell and reward the heels. The referee asks her, are you good to go? She says yes because she's a fighting champ. And then and then just more shenanigans. Again, then finally Britain and she show up and there's stuff at ringside and the ref gets bumped and Ruby is spitting mist now, which, again, I don't know. Is that the first time she's done that? I don't believe so. I think there's been some of that. It just doesn't seem like a, it doesn't, Mist is historically associated with, like, Japanese wrestlers, like we've seen with Asuka use the Mist this weekend in her match. My brain is fried from a really long week, but 
that people have used, non-Japanese wrestlers have used mist before. It, it's not only used by by Japanese wrestlers, but it again, it's one of those confusing aspects of like the current trio is I, I don't know where mist misting comes into it other than you know if it's if it's a colored mist that's one thing if it's a whiskey mist or something that's a different thing yeah it's just it's a hodgepodge of everything they do is just a hodgepodge of different things taken from places but they don't really seem to mean anything like why did they start spray painting people where did that come from other than nwo did it and so i'm you know we're just kind of emulating them the mist is just something to do it's not it doesn't tell us anything about Ruby's character. It's not. It didn't grow out of something like an incident with somebody else. And then most most outcast match, whether it's a singles or a tag, tend to end this way, right? Somebody at ringside gets involved, referee is distracted, something happens, and then oh, the heel wins. Yeah, it um, it, it's it's tired and it it's lacking a. Fo- I mean, the focus obviously has been getting Tony the belt back, which now she's got it. So that's going to be interesting to see, like, does this change the dynamic at all? Do they just gloat and then continue to spray paint? And does this shift things a little bit? I, I'm dying of curiosity to know, like, how this, if this will give the outcasts anything else to do. But I, I feel like we're kind of stuck in a holding pattern with them, um, especially because I, I can imagine that the game plan will be to have Jamie win this back at Wembley. Yeah, that seems to be the destination now is, so we didn't mention, but uh, obviously Jamie Hader is actually injured. That's why she lost in three minutes and five seconds, and we didn't get really much of a real match before the shenanigans. Although I suspect, you know, even if she was healthy, we probably would have had the same ending. It just would have been like a 12-minute match before ref bump missed, etc. I would, I mean, in a perfect world where Jamie Hader is healthy, I would have loved to see her be able to have the same defeat but have the match that was worth it and this match was unfortunately like this was definitely a product of getting the belt off of her so she could recover um and then do that big build back up to to the event in the uk but yeah um due to her injury there there was not a whole lot that they could do and the spots that they did do non-interference spots especially the finishing but the you know the last like 10 20 seconds or so of this match it was just it was pretty rough there was a bump into the turnbuckle right before the finish that, like, just just looked really, really awful. And not awful in, like, a brutal way. Awful in just a very clumsy way. And it's, like, that's – it's a shame. But, like, it's better to it's better to have gotten the belt off of her in a losing match than to fool around with interim titles or stripping of titles or do any of that shenanigans that they were doing before. In this way, at the very least, she can go recover. Tony can hopefully do something with this story and they can have their big rematch at Wembley. Now, Wembley is August, so we still have three months. Mm-hmm. It's the weekend before All Out, I believe. Yeah, they're doing in and out in the span of like eight days. <laughs> That's a really fast time to go in and out. So, Tony Storm, new women's champion. Yeah, what do we do for three months now? Do we just, you know... We, we dragged this out for a month, and in a month she defends against Sheeta on TV and picks up another tainted victory like this, and then another month later she defends against Brit on TV, and we get that sort of thing. A while ago we thought this was going to build to Blood and Gods. We thought we're waiting to stack up the numbers so we can get five and five Blood and Gods. And we've got five babyfaces now, if we consider Willow and Sky Blue as still being around. 
but the heels mm-hmm. haven't beefed up their side in any way. And the Freeman has always been outcasts versus homegrown. So that, mm-hmm. that, was, that was the problem we ran into. Like, oh, Jade Cargill is free now. Like, she could all of a sudden show up on the heel side, but she's not an outcast. She's, she's more homegrown than anybody, literally. Like, she's the only person who's authentically homegrown and never wrestled anywhere else. Yeah, Jade really is, like, probably the only person I can think of who can can claim, like, completely homegrown status. But she's – I we're, and we'll talk about where she's at now, but – I don't I, I don't know where she factors into the greater women's roster because of how weirdly compartmentalized everything has been. Yeah, at this point, I'm starting to think that a women's blood and guts match was never like a plan, never really in the cards, based on the fact that it felt like when they it felt like they were building up the babyface side, but then two of the babyfaces disappeared and another one was brought in instead. So it didn't feel like they were building up a team. It just felt like oh now Willow's out and Sheeta's in. And if they are, obviously everything's on pause until Jamie's back. Yeah, I mean that's that's the issue, and I don't think they are because if they were, this this match or this match that match might have already happened. Yeah. So the big question now is, okay, Tony's champ. What are their? Yeah, like you said, what are their drives? What are their aspirations? Are Saray and Ruby just happy that their friend is the champ and they'll be there at her side? Or, you know, do do they not want anything more out of life? Or maybe maybe Ruby says, you know, I really want to win the Owen Hart Cup. That's my goal for this summer. And that's where my focus, my priorities are going to be going forward now. Or maybe either one of them says, you know what, we got one. Let's get the other one. I'm coming after the TBS title now. That would be cool, especially since the TBS title is doing some interesting things for the first time in 60 matches. Yes, the other women's match on the show was Jade Cargill defending against Ty Valkyrie for the TBS title. As has been the case in AEW, there were people at ringside who got involved. That seems like every single match on this pay-per-view had squirrely, like, Weasley managers at ringside who got involved. I mean, that's, that's a hallmark of wrestling, though. Let's be, let's be honest. Yes, not to, not to this extent. Like, WWE has very few managers these days. They have a couple of factions. That's about it. Impact, same thing. They got a couple, but it's not like every single match is somebody having side. I mean, yeah, it, it can get pretty tiresome when there's always somebody in that corner and always interference is just inevitable. Um, it makes you want for a clean match, even when the shenanigans are welcome or useful. It, it can be. It, it's too much. It's, it's too much business. It's, it's too much like it's just too much, too, too much on the sidelines. And it's nice to have something that's a little bit more clean to like rinse the palette um although you know like we had said before both of the women's matches were without gimmicks so at least there was that so interference may be inevitable but at the very least we weren't getting like you know weird rules or stipulations or you know ladders and stuff so jade has layla gray and mark sterling in her corner ty has nobody because she's a baby face and baby faces don't have friends yeah and aw well they do they have friends they just don't think to bring them with them and ty has plenty of friends she's got a little dog she she's had managers she's had like people she's like i just i don't know i don't want impact i don't want impact story to be an aew but i just miss the days of Taya being with my my girls over there in in the impact yeah we need the death dolls to show up at forbidden door and team up with Taya. i mean it's so much to ask just just give me a little bit this is a treat 
So last time around, it was Jade versus Taya. Taya could not use her finishing move. As a result, Jade won. This time around, she can use her finishing move. Coincidence, it's the same move. Yeah, the same move, it's a face buster. Early on, Sterling takes a bump at ringside. Uh, Taya hits a big curb stomp, but Jade kicks out. Layla jumps up on the apron, as I said. She is booted off as well. Taya successfully lands, road to Valhalla, but Jade kicks out at 2.999. And then Jade is just kind of like back on her feet 20 seconds later, perfectly perfectly fine. She hits Jade for the pin. Yeah, she comes back pretty, pretty quickly. I'll say the quibbles aside, um, and, you know, Jade has had matches with, with other with opponents that have helped her shine even more in the past. But I, I really like Jade Cargill and, and Taya Valkyrie wrestling. They have a really good in-ring chemistry, and they're both um, significantly power wrestlers, which doesn't um, doesn't diminish the ability there. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't diminish for lack of contrast. I I really think that they do a nice job with each other, and I hope Taya, you know, in the loss here, still gets the credit for the fact of like I think she brought Jade to a, a like a new level of her wrestling. I really do. Jade Jade has been incrementally improving in really good and noticeable ways. Her endurance in the ring and her matches have gotten longer, and her move set has become cleaner. But um, she still has, you know, she's still new, really. She's still in her first couple of years. So someone working with someone like Taya who could really, really make her look good. That was, yeah, this this worked for me. Even with the finish, but I knew, I kind of expected, like a lot of people did, of what was to happen afterwards. Yeah, we've known for like, well, not known, but we've suspected for a long time now that... We were supposed to get Jade versus Chris Statlander back in the fall. Chris got injured in August and was out of action. And ever since then, it's had a real feel of we're just waiting. We're not doing. Any, we're not giving Jade any like real meaty storylines. We're not doing anything too interesting. Yeah, we had Red Velvet like uh, quit slash get kicked out of the baddies, and then they had a little thing. But other than that. She hasn't had much to work with. It's felt for a long time. We're just waiting for Chris to get back. Waiting for Chris. Finally, she's back. Like I said, after nine months on the sidelines. It's a long time. I don't know what that is in alien years. In Earth, nine Earth months. Oh, it's nothing in alien years because they live for so long. Oh, yeah, that's true. She blinked and she's back. Yeah, she was, she was just in a different plane of existence. I mean, you think this is the only world that she inhabits? That is very Earth-centric of you. Now, AEW management and commentary team would lead you to believe that Chris Statlander is not an alien anymore, but we, those of us, we know better. We know this is an act. I've seen enough TV shows. I've seen enough movies. I, I loved Third Rock from the Sun. I watched My Favorite Martian. I know, I know how this works. Oh, yeah? yeah. Is that what trained you on this? Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell me that uh, Chris Statlander and Kristen Johnston, star of Third Rock from the Sun, aren't very similar. Uh, I mean, just down to the, the tall stature and uh, intimidating attractiveness. So post-match, Mark Sterling gets the mic and he says Jade Cargill is now 60 and 0 in AEW. And that is, that's a shoot. That's not one of these Goldberg kayfabe things where he's 48-0 on Monday and then the next day he's 56-0. And it's like, wow, he wrestled eight matches this morning? She has won 60 matches in AEW. Granted, uh, a lot of those are on dark, so that's like, you know, it's barely a match. 
and some of those were tag matches, etc. But nevertheless, 60 and 0 in AEW, the best record in the company. She, she should be main eventing pay-per-views with a record that good, but that's beside the point. They say there's nobody left in the company that can beat her, which is quite funny because it's like she's literally never been in the same like arena as Britt Baker or Jamie Hayter or Tony Storm or half the women in the division. But nevertheless, we can beat anyone, anytime. Cue the return of the galaxy's greatest alien. And of course, you know, challenge issued, challenge accepted is happening right now. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Jade falls to the same hubris of Jamie Hayter, which is like, I was just beat up a bunch. But uh, sure, sure, I'll wrestle a match. I, I give the referee permission. And then they quickly fall, like, shortly thereafter. What's the, what's the, like, old idiom? Like, they flew too close to the sun. Pride has fallen, something, 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 I don't know. Um, pride, pride comes before the fall. Yes, thank you. Pride mm, comes before the before fall. Before the summer, in this case. I really appreciated that this all happened. It went down. And people can quibble about the fact that it was a two-minute match. There could likely be a very a, a rematch in the very near future, and we'll get a much longer match out of this. But did you all really want to sit through like a month of build so that Jay could lose the title on a 61st match in like on on Rampage on a Friday night at the like middle of July, or maybe like whatever they do? Do they still do Fighter Fest or something like that? Like I don't. This I people will quibble that like this deserved a longer match. There will be a longer match. There will can likely be a rematch. Jade would have every reason to challenge. She would be in, entitled to, but also she could do the heel thing and just be like, "I was injured. You took advantage. I was. It was cheap. I'm gonna get my my title back." All of that, absolutely, all of that. So we'll get a longer match, I'm sure. But a two minute squash so that we can finally have some movement in this story and give Jade something else to do, let alone put the title elsewhere. Thank God. I'd like more than appreciating it. I'd let out a huge sigh of relief. Yeah. I was conflicted in the moment. I was like, okay, bell rings. uh, Chris avoids Jaded. Chris hits her finish. New champ in 48 seconds. And after years of Jade Cargo being champ and being undefeated, it's like mm, 48 seconds and an impromptu match that was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. But yes, okay, the streak is over, which is always a big thing. Like Goldberg's streak infamously ended because Scott Hall tasered him, and people did not care for that. Like, that's how you, like, Undertaker's, Undertaker lost clean to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. That was the end of the WrestleMania streak. That had impact. People still argue to this date, like, it should have been a younger guy who really, like, benefited from it instead of Lesnar who didn't need it, quote-unquote. But there's always that question of, like, how do you end a streak like this in a satisfying way? And say, like, okay, so here, she lost clean. She accepted a match. She got pinned by somebody that the fans love. And it still protects her in the same way. It's not like, oh, but that, you know, yeah, it was her own hubris. She chose to take a match after she had just wrestled another match. She should have known better. We'll get a rematch. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get the rematch on, like, the first episode of Collision. Maybe it's something that, that soon. Because the next couple of events, the next event is Forbidden Door. I don't see, that doesn't really make sense on that card. And then the next one after that is a bit far away. So that's my suspicion. But yeah, the streak's over. We are new champ, Chris Statlander. Jade can go home, lick her wounds. And then we can build to the next match and say like, okay, well, let's see if you can do it again. 
when I'm ready for you, when I'm rested, and when things are even. Jade has a 60-match winning streak to, you know, lay claim to. No one else in AEW, man or woman, has that. She doesn't look weak here, but it did stagnate. It did. It it was. It was definitely in a holding pattern, waiting for the inevitability. It's it's cool to me that they believe so strongly in Chris Statlander that they wanted to put this belt on her more than anything, more than doing something that, like, say, would make this title interesting. I hope that we don't get stuck like this again. Um, winning streaks. I'm gonna say it. I don't care about winning streaks. I don't care. I really don't. Unless you are talking about a 200 plus day winning streak. Unless you're talking like Okada terms, like two plus years, I don't really care. And also, I like even then, you have to be a wrestler that is Okada. So I don't know. I hope they don't get into this whole habit of like the TBS title is the one that people hold forever. Like just play with it, have fun with it, make it matter again, make make it important. And for God's sakes, please like. So find a way to bring these divisions, bring this women's division into some kind of cohesion, because it's it's maddening that it feels like there's two very like not even two defined like title rosters. But there is the women's division of AEW. And then there was the Jade Cargill title run slash whoever was going for it. There's, that's not how that, that's not how it really should feel. Not a, not a, not a large view. That's one of the big questions going forward, because so to this point, the TBS title has literally only been Jade's title, and it's been in her own little, her own little Cody-verse, where she doesn't cross over with anybody else, and she doesn't share screen with the women in the other division. Because of that, it's felt lesser, because she's new to her career, whereas Tony and Sheeta and Riho have been wrestling for like a decade plus. It felt like a mid-card title, like the TV title, to the AEW Women's World title. Now it's on Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander does not feel like a mid-carter in the same way that uh, her BFF, Orange Cassidy, and the international title don't feel like mid-carters either. But then there's that question of like, well, then what does this title mean? Like I, from day one, I said, why do we have two women's singles titles? I don't understand. Then what's the difference between them? How? Why does some? Why does why does Tony want that one so badly? and not care about this one at all? Why does Britt like, never mention that this other title exists? I want more answers as to how that works going forward. If they do a brand split, like is rumored, that could be, that could, I guess that would really help define them, right? We know like, well, the AEW women's title is the Dynamite title. And this one is only appears on Collision and pay-per-views. And so anybody who's on Collision, Thunder Rosa, et cetera, they want this one. And that's why they want this one, not that one, because this is the show that they're on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still unclear, like, what collision is really going to signify, although it does feel as if all signs point to it being, it's like being a definitely separate entity, not Rampage-esque as a second show, but its own its own brand and its own right. Um, I, I'm curious where the, where, where TBS title ends up in that regard, but it, yeah, it feels like Collision could be the spot for it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea because I don't fully... I, not having been raised on WWE as a wrestling fan, not having my fandom like engineered by WWE, 
I don't entirely follow having all of these different shows within like a, a net of like I get it from a I get it from a from a certain standpoint, but from like a following of stories. There's a reason I don't watch Raw and SmackDown and all the WWE products, and there's many reasons. And one of them is I don't entirely want to have to be following a billion different storylines in two different products, and these storylines don't necessarily ever connect with one another between the products. I kind of just want my like soup all in one bowl. Well, our next pay-per-view is Forbidden Door, June 25th. The premiere episode of Collision is the night before, June 24th. So within a month, we'll have some answers as to what Collision looks like, who's going to be on it besides Thunder Rosa, because she seems to be the only person that's been like heavily implied to be on that show. This week on Dynamite, we're getting a mixed tag. Britt Baker and Adam Cole against Saraya and Chris Jericho. Does this imply that Britt and Adam are going to be hanging out together more going forward, especially with Jamie on the shelf? And then how does that factor in with her new friendship with Sheeta? Um, Ty Mello's pregnant, so we won't mm-hmm. be seeing her wrestle in the next year. Maybe ever again. Yeah. You never know. Congratulations to Ty Mello. Little baby... Yeah. Mellow Guevara? Oh, baby Guevara. Oh, you know what? Like, it's going to be a cute baby. I hope he gets her face, or the baby gets her face, because, like, there'll be more eyes than baby head. She already has a baby face, yeah. (laughs) She looks like like a little baby with her round cheeks. I mean, she does. She kind of looks like a a fully grown, like, baby woman. Okay. DraftKings is um, taking bets on the baby name. Whether it's going to be worse than Cody and Brandy or better? Um, go, Cody and Brandy's. Better. Wait, Cody and Brandy's daughter is named. Liberty. No. Yeah. It's, oh, that wasn't just a joke that their, we were making. Their daughter Liberty and their son Freedom. No, they don't have a son yet. They don't. Not, not yet. Um, Forbidden Door, June twenty fifth. Now, no idea what this pay per view is going to entail. Last year we had one women's match on the card. And it was Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. So that was it. We had no outside. There was no, the women were not related to the Forbidden Door at all. They were right through the Bidden Door. There was no outside talent brought in, nobody from Stardom or anywhere in Japan or Impact. Will that be different this year? Will Tony defend against somebody from Stardom? That'd be very cool. She used to wrestle for Stardom. Or will we see Tony versus Sheeta on that card in a sort of a repeat of this kind of this kind of booking i think it's gonna be tony versus Sheeta. yeah probably yeah i think it's gonna be tony versus Sheeta, and i hate sighing about that because i love Sheeta. i love I, and i respect tony storm as much as i feel continually underwhelmed by her but I, and i and i just i feel horrible saying that because i don't, I don't know that it's her problem necessarily but i i don't know with with forbidden door i would it would be really nice because even when they did a similar thing impact in new Japan, they only had one women's match and it was a four way featuring primarily people we've already seen like heavily involved with the promotion. So it would just be really cool to do a little bit more of that historic crossover new Japan stardom thing of like, you know, bringing in people who aren't, you know, already involved in the promotion heavily and seen on weekly television. I don't know. It'll be a good match, I'm sure. This is an instance where I'd be okay with us not getting a title match on the pay-per-view. Do a trios tag. Do the Outcasts versus Sheeta, Baker, and 
a special guest, somebody from Stardom, or even somebody from like Ice Ribbon, get Emmy to bring in one of her friends to team with them, so they get some sort of guest representation. That's what we want more. That's what I want more than anything. I just want to see somebody fun show up who's like never, or yeah, never been in AEW before. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, Forbidden Door, all out, all in. We got to assume Wembley Stadium is probably going to be Tony versus Jamie now. Um, I guess that's it. Maybe we'll get some sort of battle royal. I, I, I still really want Amy Sakura to be on the show somewhere and make her dream come true. And you, it seems weird for Soraya to just be like at ringside and not wrestling in England. Yeah, yeah. I, please, please put Emmy, please put Emily, just give Emmy what she wants. Okay, that's all I need. Like you could do every anything you else want. I'm, I'm making the bargain. I'm making the the devil's bargain here. You could do anything else you want, TK. You do anything else. You could bury the women's division. You can make the TBS championship. You can have Chris Dunlander lose to a, a squirrel in a bikini. But please give Emmy Sakura what she wants because she is a goddamn like living legend and she deserves it. Please, please, please. She has made your women. She's helped make your women's division matter at all, even when you could care less. If I have to come to your home, I will. You can call off your goons. Just give Emmy Sakura some time at Wembley Stadium so she can live out her dreams. And then we'll leave you alone. We won't. We won't. I won't even shit on you on a weekly basis. I will not. I won't even make fun of your weird bug-eyed promos. Just please, please do this for her, for us, for the universe. It is a karmic act of goodwill, and you have to do it. Some very brief stats on the women's division heading into June 2023. This year, it has been the Tony Storm show, whether or not you've noticed. No woman has appeared on more episodes of TV and pay-per-view than Tony Storm. She's first place by herself, followed by Soraya and Ruby, tied for second, followed by Britt, Jamie, and Jade, tied. And then after that, it's like Julia Hart and Layla Gray, and they're mostly just showing up as sidekicks to other featured acts. Tony and Jade have wrestled the most televised matches at 13 each, followed by Ruby, Jamie, and Taya. And the best record this year, Julia Hart, 3-0. Maybe she should be in a title shot. Inevitable. I could actually, you know what? I could see Julia versus Chris Statlander this summer. I, I could see her tape. Yeah, absolutely. Have one of the one of the House of Black guys back in her off. House of Black versus best friends and sort of a longer, a bigger. Uh... I'm down for all of this, and I, I've been enjoying what they've been doing with Julia here and there. Like I, you know, I I like that I like that anyone in a stable is getting like any kind of you know active time, but it would be cool to see her like get a title challenge. For, that belt is perfect for it. Regular listeners, nobody should be shocked that M is on board for a witch versus alien feud. Come on. Okay, it's, it's like I, I watch Impact for a reason, everybody. You know this about me. So, yes, of course I'm here for witch versus alien. I'm here for witch versus alien. I'm here for witch versus witch. I'm here for witch versus cat. I'm here for cat versus uh, uh, tank girl. I am here for every type of gimmick female wrestling available give it to me hook it to my veins give it all to me that's our show thank you for listening folks this was our season nine season finale what a run it has been we're coming up on our 200th episode in about five weeks, I believe. 
which is very exciting. We got some stuff planned for that, some secret stuff that not even our Patreon people get to find out about because secrets, secrets are good. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at GreatGlitterPod. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash GreatGlitterPod. This month, we had support from lovely folks like Alex E., Nancy Todd, John Washabaugh, Chad Boykin, John Armstrong, Aaron Carlisle, Evan Minsker, Jason Norris, Lars Brown, and the guys at the Wrestling Mayhem Show. They help us pay for podcast hosting fees, things like that. And then they also help us take whatever money is left over and use it to sponsor promotions like Wrestlers Lab and Enjoy Wrestling and make those shows look amazing. That's right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for um, thanks anyone who uh, donates to our Patreon. Um, when you do that, you are giving us money to put back into the ecosystem. And we really appreciate that. We are working on more content for that Patreon. But if you have questions, concerns, requests, suggestions, you know where to find us. So just drop us a line and let us know what you're looking for, what you're, what you're thinking. Next week, Season 10 of Grit and Glitter kicks off. M is going to be joined by Don and Lindsay to cover GCW's Tournament of Survival 8. There will be blood.